Hi, welcome to the ancient art of modern warfare. I'm Chris Mayer. Once again, the topic is mercenaries, or rather, private military and security companies, or PMSCs. I'm going to describe where international law addresses them and the tools that exist to help regulate them. This is a lot of international law, and fortunately for you, I'm not a lawyer. I was, however, involved in most of these initiatives, so I hope that I can keep the topic interesting for you. One of the complaints often heard about PMSCs of any type is that they're not covered by any effective regulation. The more generous ends of these claims is that they somehow fall into a gap in international law, while the more strident claims are that they are not only immoral, but illegal and probably fattening, carcinogenic, and contribute to global warming, too. Back in 2004, I was in Iraq and was chief of staff for the recovery and rebuilding of that country. This couldn't be done without security, and the admiral I worked for ordered me to get control over an estimated 20,000 armed private security personnel in the country. I've been working on that ever since. This is what I've learned in that time. Under the laws and customs of war, there is no prohibition of civilians directly participating in hostilities. At the same time, there is no specific allowance for it either. The laws affecting civilian use of force in armed conflict are the same as those applicable in peacetime self-defense. That means there is a common understanding that civilians can use force to include deadly force in self-defense and defense of others against imminent threats of serious injury or death. Other provisions for the use of force and the limitations on that use of force vary from country to country. There are international conventions which make mercenary activity illegal, but the legal definition of mercenary in these conventions is so restricted as to be meaningless. It's been said that anyone convicted for being a mercenary under the legal definition deserves to go to jail and his lawyer with him. The United States is not a party to any of those conventions. This does seem to create some confusion. The first major initiative in providing clarity was, and here's the full title now, the Montreux Document on Pertinent International Legal Obligations and Good Practices for States Related to Private Military and Security Companies During Armed Conflict. Try to say that in one breath. This framework, published in 2008, is the most important document regarding international regulation of PMSCs, and all subsequent international efforts derive from it. Seventeen governments initially endorsed the document, and today 56 governments participate, as well as the European Union, NATO, and the Organization for Security Cooperation in Europe. Russia participated in drafting the document, but pulled out less than 48 hours before the endorsement with the excuse that private military companies are illegal under Russian law. Think about that for a minute. The document is divided into two main sections, one covering already existing legal obligations applicable to PMSCs, and another recommending things states can do to live up to these obligations. Those two main sections are further divided into sections for governments that contract for the services of PMSCs, for example, the United States, governments on whose territory PMSCs operate, for example, Iraq and countries that export PMSE services called home states. Cyprus is an interesting example there, but countries where PMSE personnel are recruited from may also be considered home states, 
This would include countries like South Africa, Colombia, and Bulgaria, all of which participate in this initiative. Many countries fall into more than one of these categories. Part 1 on legal obligations also includes a section directed to the PMSCs themselves. To assist governments to work together to address evolving issues and to provide assistance in developing national regulation and interpreting applicable law, the participating countries and international organizations formed the Montreux Document Forum. In 2008, in the wake of the Nisor Square incident, Congress included a requirement for the Defense Department to develop specific regulations covering private security companies. We already had regulations, but now this would take the form of law. It also placed contractors accompanying the force under military orders and made them subject to court-martial. Although this applied only to U.S. use of PMSEs, the laws and regulations, along with the good practices of the Montreux Document, formed the basis for other initiatives. The United Nations did not endorse the Montreux Document. Instead, at about the same time, they stood up the United Nations Working Group on the Use of Mercenaries as a Means of Violating Human Rights and Impeding the Exercise of the Right of Peoples to Self-Determination. <sighs> that title is another exercise in breath control. In 2008, once the Working Group successfully rid the world of mercenaries, the UN Human Rights Council redirected them to focus on PMSCs. I mean, they did rid the world of mercenaries, right? I mean, why else would they stop that effort and redirect towards PMSEs? Oh, by the way, in response to the activity of Russian mercenary-like organizations, the working group decided that its focus for 2019 is looking at gender equity in PMSE hiring practices. You really can't make this stuff up. Anyway, back in 2008, the working group immediately set out to draft a convention that would for all practical purposes, restrict governments from using contractor support to the armed forces. This initiative is opposed by almost all governments that actually use contractor support and is supported by governments that don't want to admit that they use contractor support for their military and security forces. So far, the governments that admit to using PMSEs have prevailed and the initiative has stalled since about 2010. There were other initiatives that have made a difference. In 2009, key leaders in the private security industry approached the Swiss government wanting to develop a code of conduct affirming the PSC industry's commitment to the legal obligations and good practices of the Montreux document. Once again, the Swiss government agreed to sponsor the effort, but this time without the International Committee of the Red Cross. The drafting committee included the governments that drafted Montreux, along with subject matter experts from academia, human rights organizations, and the PSCs. It also included an expert on security management standards, for reasons I'll discuss in a bit. Anyway, in November 2010, the International Code of Conduct for Private Security Service Providers was signed by 58 PSCs and observed by several governments, including the United States, the United Kingdom, and Switzerland. As the Code Initiative began to move forward, the National Defense Authorization Acts of 2010 and 2011 started the Defense Department on developing quality assurance management standards for private security companies. These standards combined international quality management standards, standards for corporate social responsibility, and all relevant requirements of the Montreux document and U.S. regulations required in the National Defense Authorization Act of 2008. 
From the beginning, the Defense Department wanted to assure that these standards and the Code of Conduct did not conflict with one another. Hence, the U.S. team to the Code of Conduct process included the standards developer. As mentioned in the previous podcast, the Standards Drafting Committee included more than 200 experts from more than 20 countries with roughly equal representation from PSCs, purchasers of PSE services, mostly governments, and other interested parties or stakeholders. This work produced three important standards that have driven the progress of the industry since then. American National Standard PSC-1 for PSC operations, American National Standard PSC-2 describing how to audit conformance to PSC-1, and the International Standard ISO 18788, which is essentially the international version of the American standard. Since publication, evidence of compliance with either PSC-1 or ISO 18788 has been required by law and regulation in all Defense Department contracts for PSC services in contingency operations. Deviation from these standards is punishable under contract law. In developing the standards, there was a clear intent that the standards could be used to describe the how to the code's what, or the standards would provide the framework for how the companies would implement their commitments under the code of conduct. Putting these together became the responsibility of a new multi-stakeholder initiative, the International Code of Conduct Association. This private association is organized under Swiss law and includes members from PSCs, governments, and human rights-based non-governmental organizations. The purpose of the association is to promote the responsible delivery of security services in complex environments. It does this by overseeing member company compliance with the Code of Conduct. The association's rules state that the principal means of demonstrating PSE compliance is independent third-party certification to a recognized standard. For land-based PSEs, these are PSC-1 and ISO 18788. The Swiss government and the State Department require association membership in their key PSC contracts. The most recent initiative is a resolution by the Organization for Security Cooperation in Europe, abbreviated as OSCE. In July of this year, the OSCE voted to begin a dialogue on PMSCs, which will include, for the first time, reporting on PMSCs as part of its annual information exchange on member state security forces. The intent is to increase transparency regarding the use of PMSCs and promote awareness of the essential support PMSCs provide to national armed forces. As an organization, the OSCE participates in the Montreux document, although some member states, including Russia, do not. The resolution, therefore, encourages all OSCE members to join Montreux. The resolution is, in no small part, directed against Russian mercenary-like activity. In all seriousness, no one expects Russia to report on its use of PMSEs in anything like a truthful manner. That non-compliance, however, can be used against them. I will post more information about each of these initiatives on my blog site, which is blog.ctmayor.net. The important thing right now is to know that PMSEs do not operate in a legal vacuum, and that governments and intergovernmental organizations are taking measures to promote responsible use of these organizations. These steps are incomplete, but still moving forward. Like the biblical expression of, a lamp unto my feet, the entire path is not illuminated, 
but perhaps lit enough to point out the next steps we must take. In the next podcast, I'll suggest what some of these steps might be, along with the real risk Russian-aligned armed groups present to regional peace and security, and how those steps can manage that risk. Please come back for that. <laughs>